Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. All four of us are busy parents, so we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to join us. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we have a legal disclaimer to share with you. Here it is. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and shouldn't be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. You should not rely on this podcast for medical diagnosis or treatment, and you should never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. Hello, everybody. Quincy here with Ron Cheryl. Uh, Today's topic, we're going to talk about obesity and medications. So to start us off on this fascinating discussion, I want to talk about um, do medications cause obesity? Yes. Next question. Okay. That was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Do medications help with obesity? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is it okay to take medications? Yes. Yes. Isn't that cheating? No. No. Okay, good podcast. <laughs> Let's go back to the first question. What medications cause obesity? Well, that's a whole other question. You said does it. <laughs> Sorry. Does me- do medications cause obesity? Yes. There yes. are several medications out there. Um, we can target the, the field of diabetes. The medications that we use for diabetes often cause obesity. Wait, what? They're supposed to help me. <laughs> no. Especially the older ones. It's the old school ones. Okay. For example? Actos. Well, any of the sulfonylureas higher doses can, but yes. Good. I was just going to say any of the sulfonylureas okay. um, will definitely do it. But oh. there's better generations of medication now that we can use that actually assist with both weight loss and diabetes control. So mm. if you're questioning, just ask your doctor. Okay, so diabetes medications. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. Some of the older medications, but the, part of it is understanding why and how it does it. Because a lot of times what the medications were designed to do is go tell the pancreas to produce more insulin. And if you've, mm. you've heard us before, insulin is a growth hormone and can cause weight gain. So when we're giving you a medicine that puts more pressure on your pancreas to produce more, is going to put you at higher risk of gaining weight. And if you haven't changed your eating habits, which most doctors don't talk about trying to cut back on the carbs, they go, just eat what you're doing, we'll just add a medicine that just kind of snowballs the whole problem. Okay. The problem with that, we're going to go on a little tangent here, is you've got two ways to treat diabetes. You can either treat it with diet, lifestyle, that kind of thing, or you treat it with medication. And the medication route is going to be, I'm going to start you on one, and then two, and then three, and then four, and I'm going to go and go and go and go. Mm. And and so th- there really are. There's two ways to treat diabetes. You do it at the hardcore of your diet, and you change that, or we add medication. Well, I can make the argument there's only one way to treat it. There's another way we try to treat it, but it doesn't treat it. It just gets worse. Okay, that's fair. Okay. What other medication categories? We talked about diabetes medications. Well, then going along with diabetes medicines. We're not done medicines. with diabetes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot here. Is when we're, when we're adding insulin, insulin is just adding more on top of what you're already getting. Your body produces enough. Now, if you're a type 1 diabetic, your body does not produce insulin or not enough to take care of the sugar that you're putting in your diet. So we have to give you insulin. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors will treat type 1 and type 2 the exact same way. 
quick reminder, type one is, type two is? Type one is usually they call juvenile or usually when they're younger, something happens to the pancreas or the beta cells of the pancreas so it doesn't produce as much insulin or any insulin at all. Okay. And type two? Type two is the insulin resistance where it actually produces a lot of insulin, but the cell doesn't respond. So your body compensates by making more insulin. And when it does kick in, more is pushing into the cell and not every cell has the same insulin sensitivity. So some are taking a lot of uh, fuel in and others are still screaming more for more energy. So your body is trying to balance this out so it makes more and more to compensate for it. Okay. In my head, an easy way is type one is lower on the number scale and two is a greater value. So two has more insulin as one has less. Mm-hmm. For all you non-medical of, people, that's how I try to remember it. That's an easy way of thinking about it. But now some of you will hear of a one and a half where it's a type two diabetic that now is not producing as much insulin. So their insulin levels are going down. So that's where a lot of times the excuse of let's add more insulin. But again, I always ask my patients, and again, a lot of lay people haven't heard it. We say in the medical field, but that diabetes type 2 is a chronic progressive disease. Why do we call it that? Because none of the medicines actually solve the problem. We're just putting a bigger Band-Aid on it. Okay. Which could lead us into obesity also, and obesity is a chronic progressive disease also. Okay. If we don't treat it the right way. So other medications. Are we done with diabetes? Okay, we can move on from diabetes. We'll have a whole podcast on diabetes. Yes. Um, the mood the psych- medications. Oh, we're we're right thinking each other the same thing. <laughs> the the psych or the mood medications. Okay. Are big culprits for it. What what are what are they usually treating for? Like I mean, psych. That's a, a broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. Are you pretty much saying that pretty much most and every single mental health? Yeah, anything for anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. All of the medications that are in this category or that are used to help treat these disorders can cause weight gain. Okay. Most of them are weight positive. Some are some weight neutral. So it should, studies haven't shown that there is a lot of weight change. And there are very few that could, can help with weight loss or call weight negative. Okay. Other categories? Any steroids? be it birth control pills, be it you're placed on a steroid because of your asthma flare-up, anything like that definitely causes weight gain. How about um, any hormone medications? Could those? Birth control, um, even if you're doing like um, hormone replacement therapy with testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, um, that can have the negative side effect of weight gain. Okay. This is a good list. Yeah. Much more than our first answer when I asked the question. <laughs> well, you said it. Do they? It's like, yes. Um, which ones help with obesity? There, there's a whole class of um, anti-obesity medications. Okay. So maybe we answer the, ne- the, 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 the other question of, is it cheating to use medication to help with obesity? Okay. And I think Dr. Rigby and I will agree that that's a solid no. Okay. If you broke your foot, one of us is going to put you in a boot maybe even some crutches, nobody's going to think twice about it, you're going to move on with your day. Okay. But it, So it shouldn't be any different when we're talking about obesity. Because obesity, like we referenced earlier, is a multifactorial, chronic, progressive disease. So we have to treat it like one. And a lot of times medication, it's not going to cure it by any means, but it can definitely help it. Again, that doesn't mean you have to use medications. If you can make some of these lifestyle changes and see progress by itself, great, let's do it. But if you're struggling, if you feel like you're doing everything right and it's not enough, 
that's where medications can come into play. Do you have to? No. Can they help? Yes. Yeah, you got to look at it like this. The anti-obesity medications are all given, they, they have different categories and what they help for. And I think okay. when people start to feel like the, the, the uncomfortable, the guilt, the shame, like oh, I should be able to do this on my, my own, I have enough willpower, the, that, that line of thinking. The problem with that is you, you're not considering that you've got a big old frat party of hormones going on in there and they're making it really, really complicated for you to reach your goals. And so sometimes it takes, in addition to lifestyle interventions, it takes a little medication to get the, the frat party to calm down, to get these hormones to address, adjust the way they need to, and then, and then we can move on. Or build up some of the quiet ones that are, need to be higher and calm down the loud ones that shouldn't be as loud. So it's kind of balancing things out a little bit. I think for women too, um, there's, there's the week before our period and the week during our period, we want to eat everything and we want to kill somebody. And we feel just, we don't feel our very best. And if you look at that, that's 50% of our life. Yeah. Right? So if you could feel like you did the other two weeks where you feel like, yeah, I'm in control of what I'm eating. I feel good. I'm not feeling like, you know, I've got a snack and, and eat all the time. Then it's a lot easier to make better food choices and exercise and do everything we know we're supposed to do. But if you're living in the other two weeks of your life where these hormones are really driving how you feel and how you're, how that's impacting your behavior and your emotions and whatnot, then it, it's just so much more difficult. Okay. But if you are addicted to food, sugar, especially, well, again, we don't want to say food. We want to say processed food. So it's basically sugar. If you have a true addiction, if you want to have an addiction of any other problems and just trying to the idea of avoiding it's not enough, we're going to use medications to help you through that. Again, mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to be out the rest of your life. The goal is to hopefully get things improved enough and learn the lifestyle skills, the behavioral aspects, so you don't have to use them long term. But to use it short term during that time, we're going to definitely use it or at least that, use that as an option. So think of it more of as a bridge versus a crutch. Yes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That's a great term. Do we want to go into the specific, the specifics of what um, medications we use? Yeah, I think it'd be great. Okay, I think one of the ones we use the very most because we do get very good results is fentramine. Okay. Um, fentramine's been around for well over 50 years and it kind of got a bad rap because it was linked with fenfen. And so what we did is we put fentramine and fenfluoramine and we, we put these two together and we found out that the fenfluoramine is what causes the heart problems. Okay. And so fenfluoramine got pulled off the market. Fentramine's been on there. No issues. Um, I wouldn't say no issues, but it, it, that risk of um, heart disease that we thought was associated, it just hasn't panned out. And we used to think there might be um, a high addiction rate with it, and that's proven false also. So fentramine is a stimulant. It's an appetite suppressant. It helps shut down hunger, cravings, and gives a little boost of energy. So it's like living, when I said those two weeks, like the week before your period and the week during, it's like the opposite of those two weeks. That's how you feel. You feel more in control. You still have hunger. You still have an appetite. But you feel like, no, I'm in control of what I'm eating, as opposed to the food being more in control. Oh, okay. So fentramine. First one of them. Then we'll, a lot of times we'll use some topiramate or topamax, which is a medication that we'll use for migraines and seizures. And a lot of people have had it for, used it for that, but it can help in a couple ways. One, it can augment that craving a little bit, but also can make processed food just not taste as good. So again, if something doesn't taste as good, you're going, why am I buying this soda on a regular basis? I stop there every day and get it. So they must have changed something. Why am I wasting my money? Over time, you're going, that's just not worth it. So you're not buying it. So you're helping break some of these habits. 
Okay. And a lot of times we'll put those two medications, fentramine and Topamax or Topiramate, we'll put them together. And they have like a little synergistic effect where they, they work better when they're together sometimes. Cool. And a lot of times I will use metformin or glucophage, mm-hmm. which it's a diabetic medication, but we use it also for PCOS or insulin resistance because it helps with the insulin sensitivity. It kind of, uh, kind of the way I look at it is insulin's a key on the outside of a, the cell is a lock. The lock doesn't work quite as well, so it helps that communication work a little bit better, almost like WD-40 to make it that communication work just a little bit more efficiently. But what it does the most is it can slow down your liver's process of gluconeogenesis of breaking sh- protein into sugar. So there's just less sugar in our bloodstream, therefore less insulin need to be produced to take get it into the cells. It's not a weight po- or a weight negative medication. It just helps lower your insulin, which it can help us in the long run in this whole process. One of my favorite classes of medications to use um, for both diabetics and for weight loss is um, the GLPs, semaglutide. Um, the only drawback with this medication is it's an injectable, but it's like a teeny, teeny, teeny baby needle. Okay. Um, and you inject either once a day or once a week, depending on which medication works the best. Um, but these medications, what they do is everybody has what we call a, a hormone of GLP. And GLP's job is to slow how fast your stomach empties. Um, and if you're, if you struggle with diabetes or obesity, um, insulin resistance, you don't get enough of this hormone. So by giving you this hormone, GLP, um, your stomach slows down. So you end up eating less, um, less frequently and you feel fuller longer. Mm. And it's also shown to decrease cravings and cross into the blood, cross the blood brain barrier and affect that. So it helps calm down that insulin in the long run. And it also slows down the breakdown of insulin. So the insulin stays around for a little bit longer, but doesn't have to produce more at a higher level to take care of the sugar. Okay. So there's, those are four different ones that we've talked about. Anything else? Sometimes we'll use a combination of Wellbutrin and naltrexone. Okay. Um, these medications help decrease the, the cravings that we get. Okay. Um, so it's, Another so, option. So Wellbutrin basically is FDA approved for a couple of things. One, for attention deficit, for depression, for smoking sensation, help with the cravings, and then with naltrexone for helping with weight loss because it helps with some of those cravings. Naltrexone, we'll, a lot of times we'll use in the addiction medicine. So if you crave a certain medicine or really like the response, a lot of times by adding the naltrexone, other name is Narcan, the brand name, is can help calm down some of those inflammation. Now, keep in mind, because we're bringing it, don't go to your doctor and go, I want to try all these different medicines. <laughs> keep in mind that there's lots out there, but having that discussion with your provider about, okay, well, we've tried this one. We tried Fentramine, it didn't work. Are there other options that we can do to help control some of these issues? So we're trying to look at it from all the different aspects and trying to a little bit from a variety of different areas can help or a lot in one area. So again, it's just using medicines as a bridge to help us as we work on some of those lifestyle changes because you can't just do one without the other yes can the medicines wear off and you got your body gets used to them yes so just relying on the medicines not the right way and the best way to do it it's a combination of the lifestyle that we're talking about and the medicines can help too and we should make sure and say that um Every medication, unfortunately, they do what they do. And that means that there can always be potential side effects um, with these medications. And each one of them are unique. So you need to have that conversation with your doctor to figure out if the risks and the benefits are worth it for you. 
taking account everything else going on in your life too. Right. Uh, your health issues, all the I mean, other medications you're taking, your allergies, different things like that. And from earlier in our conversation, I just want to make sure and say that do not get off any medications until you've talked to your provider. That makes sense. And do that with them. So Ex- like I, especially the mood medications. That's what I was going to say. Like if I'm sitting here listening to this and I think, oh, hey, I'm, I'm, my medication is making me gain weight. So I'm just going to stop. Okay, no, not good. No, no, go make that phone call, get in and see your provider. And if they say no, ask them why or if there's other options. Because the thing is, as doctors, we don't want to hurt you. Our goal is to help you. But a lot of times we get so wrapped up in our ways of what we're comfortable with, we don't want to go outside of our realm of comfort. And we don't always want to use a medicine that we're not comfortable with. So if you come approaching, it's like, well, I've done, they, we hate when patients are telling us what to do, but they're going, can we try something else? What are some other options? I'm the one willing to try it because I'm the one that's got the side effect or the potential problems and having that communication with your doctor. And if, again, I never want to say ditch your doctor, but if you just don't feel like it's a good fit for you, find somebody who's going to help you because it's about your health. It's not about making sure the doctor's happy. Thank you, guys. Anything else on medications you want to share? There's other ones out there, but we'll stay with these for right now. That's great. And we can have another conversation about supplements and all that other stuff at a different point. But thank you. This has been a very enlightening conversation. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Why Wait Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Wait Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.